Good morning, good afternoon, welcome everybody and thanks for joining us today. Today we will be presenting on the draft national training framework for temporary traffic management. So before we start, I'd like to acknowledge uh, the traditional custodian on the lands that we are meeting on today uh, and especially acknowledge also the Treaty of Waitangi and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A bit of housekeeping for today's session. Uh, we will be presenting for about 60 minutes and then we'll have a Q&A session for about 30 minutes. We record all our sessions and we'll send you an email when the recording is ready uh, on our website. You can also search for Oz Roads in, in your podcast app. Uh, the documents and the presentation slides can be downloaded from the handout section on your slide bar, which you'll find on the right-hand side of your screen. Uh, you'll see also a link to the feedback form that is available on the Oz Roads website should you want to uh, provide some uh, formal feedback on the national training framework we're presenting on today. There's also a question section here on, on your slide bar. Uh, please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at the end. Just simply type them in the box and hit the, the, the send button at any stage of the webinar. If you could also please uh, name the slide number your question relates to, it would help us answer the best we can. Uh, obviously, we welcome all questions. Uh, we appreciate that a lot of industry stakeholders would have a lot of questions. So uh, feel free to send your questions uh, and especially uh, constructive questions that help us move forward in, in the design and implementation of this national training framework. Our intent is to answer all questions. Uh, we may not have the time to answer all questions today. Uh, if that happens, we will endeavor to respond to your questions in writing after the webinar, and we will be publishing all the answers uh, after, after the webinar. Uh, you can also use the, the questions box to let us know if you have any technical problems. We have a couple of people at those roads in the background trying to help you if need be. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or, or the picture freezes, that's most likely an issue with your connection, your broad, broadband connection. Uh, closing in your browser, rejoining the session via the email registration usually fixes most of the issues. So be aware of that. So just uh, a few words about Oz Roads. Uh, we are the collective of the transport and traffic agencies across Australia and New Zealand. You can see the list of agencies that we uh, work with and represent. Our structure is uh, based on four programs of research. Um, as you can see here, each focused on the operational area of the road system. The national harmonization work on temporary traffic management is delivered under the transport network operations program, which I manage. Um, just a few words on the project team. Uh, so I am Richard Delplace. I'm the program manager for the Transport Network Operations Program. I'm assisted in the background with my program coordinator, Rachel Hassan. Um, we will hear today from our lead consultant on this work, uh, Tuan Nguyen, who is technical coordinator at Safe System Solutions. And Tuan has been uh, supported in the background as well by a number of his colleagues, including Dominic Genji at Safe System Solutions. Just a few words on our governance process. 
uh, we at Osroads uh, bring together all our um, member agencies, all road transport agencies across Australia and New Zealand, uh, across different disciplines. For this work on temporary traffic management, we have established a temporary traffic management technical reference group, which brings representatives from all our member agencies. We at Osroads facilitate the discussions with all the representatives and uh, lead the negotiations to establish a national training framework. Uh, following this work with all the subject matter experts from the um, different agencies, we then uh, report to another group uh, called the Network Task Force within those roads, uh, which is a director level with representatives from all the member agencies. Once we've achieved a certain level of agreement and approval with the Network Task Force, we are then allowed to progress to our board to seek approval uh, to put things into practice, uh, which is the standard process we will be following to activate the national training framework in due course. Uh, as you can see in this slide, we are obviously welcoming uh, feedback from a broad range of stakeholders and in industry beyond our memberships, as we recognize that the national training framework impacts and influences outcomes uh, much broader than uh, just our member agencies. Few more words around the temporary traffic management technical reference group, which we may refer at times as the TTMTRG. Obviously, it has representatives from all of the state road agencies, but also representatives from local government, as you can see on the side there, um, uh, with City of Yara, Toowoomba Regional Council, and Ipua New South Wales being represented as well. Our work on temporary traffic management um, has um, been delivered across different modules. Uh, we have led uh, some work over the last four or five years in delivering the initial version of the guide to temporary traffic management, which has been released in December 2019. The work we are uh, presenting on today relates to module two and, and with the objective to establish a nationally harmonized training framework. Module four uh, is about the establishment of a national pre-qualification scheme, which goes hand in hand with the training framework. Module three is uh, about the delivery of a national central system that supports both the national training framework and the national pre-qualification schemes. And all of the work that we've been doing has been undertaken in parallel to some work with Australian standards. Uh, which leads me to this slide, uh, giving you a bit of an of overview of what we've done so far. As I mentioned before, uh, we have released in December 2019 the first version of the Osroads Guide to Tra Temporary Traffic Management, AGTTM, uh, in parallel to the Australian Standard 1742.3 being updated um, in, in parallel. Beyond that, we've been doing um, some work with our member agencies in developing the National Training Framework, which is the Module 2, um, which has led to some coordination with the ASQA and PWC process, reviewing the units of competencies and skill sets, which we'll be talking about in further detail uh, through this presentation. So we are here today presenting on the draft national training framework that we have established. Again, it's a draft uh, framework. We are welcoming feedback to help us finalize this, this framework. 
Um, in parallel, we are developing the national pre-qualification scheme, which we'll be presenting on specifically today, tomorrow. Um, and we are here at this stage of industry consultation, uh, which is open till uh, at least the 28th of August of this year. Following that, we will be taking your comments on board, further refining and finalizing both the training framework and pre-qualification schemes, developing national training resources, which we'll cover again today, uh, developing the national system to support the training framework and pre-qualification scheme with a view to launch this national harmonization in, in action uh, in by mid-2021 or sometime in the second semester of 2021. Just a bit of a reminder on the guide to temporary traffic management, which I hope most of our audience today is familiar with, and if not, please uh, feel free to become familiar with this uh, uh, documentation. We have released this guide to temporary traffic management in December 2019. It's made of 10 parts, as you can see here, uh, focused on road work sites and the management of, of temporary traffic management at road work sites, covering uh, aspects relating to planning, design, and implementation, and incorporating a lot of very practical and useful material that we hope can make things more efficient and also, obviously, more consistent across jurisdictions. The guide has been developed as best practice. It is maintained by OSROS through the Temporary Traffic Management Technical Reference Group that we convene. The OSROS member agencies are adopting the OSROS Guide to Temporary Traffic Management as their primary jurisdictional guidance from early 21. Uh, obviously, there has been some slight delays in the practical adoption of the guide and mainly related to the COVID-19 disruptions. Um, to note, Transport for New South Wales uh, is considering referring to the guide, but keeping their guidance, uh, their, their jurisdictional guidance as the primary reference. New Zealand, uh, as also a member of those roles, are currently reviewing their code of practice for temporary traffic management, and we envisage further co coordination between the Australian and New Zealand guides uh, in the next financial year. For any questions relating to the guide, please feel free to send um, to send them to our standard email address, osroads at osroads.com.au. And don't hesitate to also connect and, and relate to your um, jurisdictional representatives if you need further information on their adoption of the guide. Now, let's talk more about uh, today's uh, subject, the National Training Framework. So, first of all, why are we here today and why is Osroads working on this? So Osroads over the last four or five years has been leading some harmonization work on temporary traffic management, and this is a, a mandate coming straight from uh, our board um, with the objective for uh, the national training framework to improve consistency and safety outcomes at road work sites. So what we want to achieve, consistent training across jurisdictions, harmonized and best practice mutual recognition facilitated for the individuals and the registered training organizations, we want to put in place a central online database that allows better information sharing between all the stakeholders involved, support and improve auditing and compliance over, over time, and in the end also uh, reduce and, 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 and focus the work of registered training organizations. 
All road authorities represented on the temporary traffic management technical reference groups are what we refer in our draft documentation as prospective party planning agencies. That means that they are planning to adopt the national training framework, uh, but this uh, participation is obviously needs to be ratified uh, through the standard review and board approval process. Uh, so uh, all agencies are uh, expected to become participating to the exceptions at this point in time of two specific areas, New South Wales, um, simply because uh, New South Wales, uh, as seen as of the 1st of July 2021, a transfer of responsibilities with regards to training from Transport for New South Wales to Safe Work New South Wales. Now, saying that, uh, even if Safe Work New South Wales is not a member of those roads, there are currently some um, ongoing discussions between us at those roads and Safe Work New South Wales and Transport for New South Wales to find opportunities for New South Wales to come on board in due course. So the door is not closed on this aspect and we are confident that we will find opportunities down the track for New South Wales to join the national framework. Beyond that, New Zealand uh, has its own code of practice um, and we refer you to their website for further information. As mentioned before, the local councils are part of uh, OSROADS uh, and they are represented to an extent on the technical reference group. However, individual local councils are uh, to decide for themselves whether they join and adopt the national training framework. And we are working with the state and territory agencies to better coordinate with the local councils within, within their jurisdictions to facilitate that work. So we are very much in favor of seeing local councils participating and joining the national training framework, but because of the sheer number of them, over 530 of them across Australia, uh, we are working with state and territory agencies to facilitate this coordination. So on this, um, beyond the, the, the broad introduction that I've given, we are now welcoming uh, Tuan and Guyen, our lead technical coordinator on the framework. Tuan, uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, perfect. I'm going to now be sharing uh, this, uh, handing over to you to uh, present your slides, Tuan. Yep. And you should be seeing that coming through now. Okay, I am going to take over. So just confirming, can you see my screen now? Can you see the slide? Yep. Over to you, Tuan. All working fine. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Richard. Um, good morning and hello, everyone. Welcome to today's online sessions about the Austro National Training Framework. Um, my name is Tuan, as Richard has mentioned, and I am dialing in from Melbourne today. We have a bit of a situation here at the moment, but uh, we are doing fine and, and we, will, um, we will overcome the uh, challenges, I'm sure. So just a reminder that uh, throughout the sessions, if you do have any questions, feel free to uh, click on that uh, question mark uh, button there on the screen type in your questions and Richard and I and others in the background, we will go through them and we will endeavor to answer the questions. Uh, so as Richard has mentioned, uh, Oxford has released a 10 part guide to temporary traffic management uh, like last year in December. And part eight of the guide talks about the training framework 
it set out the foundation of a lot of the things that we will uh, talk about today. And, and today is really about expanding on that foundation, the principles that have been uh, put into Parade after a number of years consulting with the industry. Um, and the overall objective of, of um, the training framework and, and this project in general is really to improving safety at road work sites, as Richard has mentioned earlier. Uh, so, so my sessions, I will go through four uh, key changes to the industry, as you can see there on the screen. So I will be talking a bit about the change in the traffic management roles and the different road categories. And then I will be talking about the changes to the individuals if you are working in the industry um, and then um, what changes we will apply to you. And then I will be talking about the changes to the registered training organization, the RTO. And then finally, I will touch on the proposed new registration platform or the centralized online database to capture all this information. Uh, so first up, let's talk about the different traffic management roles and road categories. So in terms of the traffic management roles that will not change from what we are having today, so we will continue to have traffic controller, traffic management implementers, and traffic management designers. So those three roles still exist in the new training framework. What's changed though is the introduction of road categories. Um, so again, this is nothing. Uh, this is nothing new that we came up in the last few months. It has been proposed, discussed with the industry in the last few years. And it is also documented in the parade of the Osroad Guide to Temporary Traffic Management. So under this new uh, framework, uh, we recognize that the road network has different characteristics, different environment. So when you work on a road, for example, if you work on a motorway or freeway, uh, obviously the working condition will be different to, to a, a low volume, low speed road, like a local road. So that's why Oslo, together with the jurisdiction, has uh, come up with a, um, a proposal to categorize the road network into three different categories. We call them category one, two, and three. On the screen there, you can see the, the detailed description of, of how a road is uh, categorized in a different uh, level. So category one will be mostly, I guess, the uh, urban street, local roads, or rural low volume roads. Uh, and then category two are the high volume roads. You can see the description there on the screen, which I will not read now. And category three are generally the urban motorways or freeways. So because we have uh, three different traffic management roles and three different road categories under the new training framework, so the qualification under this new framework will be technically it should be nine but it will only be eight because uh, we recognize that for motorways we do not want to put a traffic controller out there to stop traffic on a motorway or freeway we prefer or we recommend uh, the the traffic management company company to use portable traffic control devices instead and that's why we will have eight different qualifications, as you see there on the screen. 
and we will abbreviate them and call them TC1 and TC2 for traffic controllers for road category 1 and road category 2. And then similarly for traffic, implement, traffic management implementer, we have TMI 1, 2 and 3. And then for designer, we have TMD 1, 2 and 3. So it's fairly I guess, straightforward at this point in time. We have three different traffic management roles and we have three different road categories. So in terms of the individuals for, whole, for those who are working in the industry at the moment, uh, as practitioners, we call them. Under the new training framework, there, there are some changes and uh, it, it's fairly straightforward actually. So if you look at the screen, moving from the left to the right, um, we recognize that, that uh, because of, of the uh, work environment, we will have some prerequisites before you can enter the industry. And the prerequisites I will go through in details in a minute will be different depending on the qualification that you want to, to get. So once you, once you satisfy the prerequisites, you then can enroll and attend a face-to-face -face, uh, training in class with one of the uh, approved training provider or RTO, which again, I will go through in details. So after you attend the face-to-face -face training, um, the difference uh, with the existing uh, framework is, is you will get a statement of attendance instead of the statement of attainment. Uh, so to be able to get the statement of attainment, you need to then go out after you finish the face-to-face -face training, you go out and you get some industry-based learning. And, and that will be a hand-on um, experience that you work uh, with the company. Um, and then we are looking at giving the individual a period of six months to gain this experience. And then once you've, uh, you've gained that experience, you go back to the RTO and then you, you show the evidence and then the RTO will then issue you, you the statement of attainment. So that is, I guess, a, a, a bit of a change to the existing arrangement that uh, a number of jurisdictions having at the moment. Uh, for example, in Victoria at the moment, you can just go to a, a class, you do the face-to-face -face training, you do some simulation uh, in the day, and then you get the statement of attainment. So as I said, under the new training framework, we will require you as an individual to go out and get some industry-based experience before you get fully qualified and, and work on the road network. Uh, under the new uh, training framework, we also have um, a concept of what we call non-practitioners. So the, the non-practitioners, we are targeting the people who, I guess, need to have an understanding or knowledge in the industry, but they are not necessarily go out there and work on the road. So um, we are talking about, for example, uh, at jurisdictions, we have engineers, um, who look at the traffic management plan, the traffic guidance scheme for approval, or they, they may be a project engineer who don't necessarily do, do the work, but they need to plan the, and look at the risk uh, of the contract. Then these people, they, they need to have some knowledge of, of um, the requirements of temporary traffic management, and we, we call them non-practitioners because obviously after they, they complete the face-to-face -face training, they're not necessarily go out there and work on the road. Uh, so for those who are considered non-practitioners, they will finish uh, after they get the statement of attendance. 
So that is the difference between practitioners and non-practitioners. So let's look at each of the uh, um, changes um, relating to the individuals. So I mentioned earlier that one of the um, uh, change to the industry is we will be requiring some prerequisites depending on the role that you are um, trying to get qualification in. You can see that on the screen, if you are new to, in, to, the, to the industry and you want to be, to be either a traffic controller or a traffic management implementer, uh, the prerequisites is, is nothing. So we, we don't need, you don't need to have any prerequisites to enter the, in, to enter the industry because you will gain all those knowledge at the training session that you will be attending. However, once you have completed, let's say you as a traffic management implementer, once you have completed your qualification for, for category one, uh, you need to, to have a minimum of three months experience. And within the last 12 months, you need to have uh, work on at least 12 setup of different types before you can start learning and becoming a traffic implementer for category two or category three words. So what I just read out there is that uh, that's middle row there. You can see for category one, the prerequisites is, is, is nothing. Whereas before you can work on category two or category three, you need to complete the first category one training. You also need to have some experience as well. And I guess the principle of this approach is again to recognize that um, the road environment is different. At the moment, again, using Victoria as an example, technically you can complete one set of training. The next day you can go out there and work on say the Westgate Bridge, for example, uh, which is something that I guess are not desire. Um, the prerequisites for traffic management designer has also been um, put in, uh, even for road category one, we recognize that designing a traffic management plan, traffic guidance scheme requires some technical knowledge. So, uh, so at the moment, the proposal is you need to have a minimum of 12 months experience in the industry, or you need to have a tertiary qualification in civil construction. So I mentioned earlier, once you've got the prerequisites, you attend a face-to-face -face training with one of the uh, approved RTO, and then you need to get some industry-based experience before you can be considered as a fully qualified practitioner. So on the screen there are some uh, different uh, requirements to get uh, experience in the industry. And, it, and obviously, depending on what the qualification is, the requirement will be different. So for example, as a traffic controller, uh, within that six months, the requirement is you need to have a minimum of 20 hours of practical on the job experience at the workplace. Uh, as a traffic management designer, uh, then the, the uh, industry-based experience will be at least two different traffic management plan that, that you design and have been implemented. Uh, and you can see on the screen, uh, depending on the qualification, again, the requirements uh, is slightly different. You can read about all these details in your uh, handout that you can download, uh, but the principle is fairly basic. So you have the prerequisites, you attend the face-to-face -face training, you get the industry-based experience within six months, and then you become fully qualified. 
Uh, in terms of uh, progression pathway, which is another difference or change to industry is uh, what we are looking at uh, for new people coming to industry. Uh, they should start off with category one growth, where I guess the, uh, the risk is lower. And then once you have completed the category one training and qualification and experience, you can move on and get qualification in either category two or category three words. You can see that on the screen that from, from the level one, you can go straight to either level two or three. So you don't have to go one, two, three, you can go one to two or one to three directly. Um, so uh, with the um, new training framework, we will have a transition period and at the moment we are looking at a 12 months period and um, you can see that on the screen are the key steps for those who i guess new to the industry when uh, we introduce the, the, the scheme then you completed the category one road full course and then you will become either tc1 tmi1 or tmd1 and then after that you do further training in category two or category three, and you become TC2, TMI2, TMB2, or TMI3 or TMB3. So it, it's fairly straightforward for people new to the industry. You just have to complete the new course, you get recognized, fully qualified, and you work in the industry. For existing people, which is a lot of, um, of individuals out there, what we are planning to do is there will be a refresher course that the individual need to do and you have 12 months to do this and then once all the existing individuals have done the refresher course what we are proposing is you will then get recognized as either tc1 tmi1 or tmd1 uh, but then if you need to work on on uh, high volume roads or motorways or freeway, you need to complete that new training course in full. And the reason for that is the category two and category three training courses, they are new, um, they, 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 they are completely new. So we would like the individual to attend these training courses so that you can get more skill and experience. And I guess understand more about the risk and how we want to manage the temporary traffic management yeah, moving forward. So that is the transition period for individuals, both new and existing. Another um, benefit of the new training framework is at the moment, if you uh, obtain your qualification in, say, Victoria, and if you would need to go and work in South Australia, you need to go to South Australia and redo the training in that state. Uh, under the new framework, we we because all the training will be standardized and harmonized. What what we what 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 happen is you will be able to apply for what we call mutual recognitions. So you can see there on the screen, you need to complete your training in one state first. But once you are fully qualified, you can just apply to uh, the, the the new jurisdiction for mutual recognition. And then because, as I just mentioned, all the training requirements have been harmonized and recognized. So it will be a very, very simple step uh, to get that mutual recognition and then you can work in that new state. One thing to note is 
when you move to a when you want to work in a different space, depending on which state you are um, wanting to work in, there may be a small specific training required. Uh, and that is mainly to recognize that some state may have some specific requirements relating to um, maybe, for example, in one state, if you want to work on the road, if, if you want to work on the road, you may need to wear a, a, um, uh, a red vest instead of orange vest, for example. I mean, that's just an example. Uh, those sort of specific requirements uh, the individual may need to do. But in terms of the foundation, the basic understanding, um, they, they, they're all the same. Um, a couple of notes for our individuals. Uh, at the moment, similar to the existing training framework, where the individual will need to do a refresher course every three years. And if you don't do that, they need to redo the full training. Uh, under the new training framework, we are also looking at having an ongoing auditing, auditing process put in place. It will be uh, managed by the participating agency, which is kind of the state authorities. And then uh, all the auditing and the non-conformances will be captured uh, by the state, uh, by the participating agencies, and the information will be shared across all jurisdictions. So I guess from, um, from a transparent and, and performance management point of view, I, I think that is a good thing. Uh, so I guess for those who, who at the moment, who may um, not performing very well in one state, you've moved to another state, you probably can start the career again. I guess in the new scheme, you won't be able to do that. I'm not saying that there are a lot of those people out there, uh, but all the information will be shared across the jurisdiction. So that is the uh, the end of, I guess, um, the session in relating to the individuals. Before I move to the uh, to the changes relating to the RTO, uh, I guess let's have a quick look to see whether we have any question at this stage relating to the individuals. Uh, Richard, the, uh, anything at this stage? Yep. Yeah, thank you, Tuan. There's there's a few questions obviously coming through. Um, maybe we'll take just a couple very quickly here to 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 try and help. Um, on probably on slide 21, uh, Tuan. Yep. Let me go back to that one. Yep. I think it's a clarification. Somebody is asking: Are we looking to include supervising traffic controller in the training as an as part of the program? Are we looking to include supervising traffic controller supervising traffic controller look um i it sounds like like that that supervising traffic controller it sounds like it's probably relating to a traffic management implementer because at the work site normally the traffic management implementer will be the person who will coordinate the whole work site and he or she will tell the traffic controller where to go so if someone is looking at, um, uh, so there isn't a specific role called supervising traffic controller, but it appears that that role is probably uh, sit with the traffic management implementer. So I would suggest right. that people to do the yep. traffic management implementer course. And yep. Yeah, thank you, Tuan. I think that's uh, that's that's the clarification that was needed. Thank you. Uh, just maybe quickly on slide twenty four um the question was are non-practitioners required to have the prerequisites that are listed in the table four in the document which is 
again on slide 24 25 are non-practitioners required to have these prerequisites or can they do the relevant tmi or tmd courses the prerequisites will be applied to non-practitioners as well yeah we confirm thank you uh, let me see. There are a few, a few more questions, but not to interrupt the flow too much. Um, uh, Richard, just further clarifying on that, because I'm guessing why the person is asking the question. So the summary prerequisites will require the the on-site experience. So, so those on-site experience won't be required for non-practitioners. Yep. Uh, moving on maybe quickly to slide 27, quick question there. Tuan, if an organization only works within, let's say, category two, how do we attract new traffic controllers with no experience? Well, under the new framework, um, if you need new people joining the company, those individuals need to attain the category one training and then those individuals will need to get some experience. Now, in terms of the experience, if this particular company only do category two type works, those individuals can still get the experience on category two roads, so they are still recognized. I mean, obviously within that six months, the person needs to work under supervision um, and, and, and those people will be able to gain the industry experience and then do the category two training and then you can work on category two roads. Very good, thank you, Tuan. Uh, another couple, maybe before we resume the presentation, slide 29. For existing practitioners, do they need to complete the practical experience components or do they get recognition for what they have already done? They will get recognition on whatever they've done. Have we, have we covered that in your slides or is that coming a bit later on the, the transition process? Uh, for the uh, individuals, we will cover a bit more, but. Um, mm -hmm. Very but good. Yeah, at the moment. Another quick question for TC1 and TMI1. As a prerequisite, shouldn't there be a minimum of holding a white card and driver's license? You go back to that screen. Uh, yes, in, rea in reality, that, that will be uh, probably the requirement. And this is where I mentioned earlier that, that some of the prerequisites might depend on the state that you operate in. Uh, so, so I think most states require a driver license. But in terms of the training framework, we don't capture those sort of things. Um, but it is probably a good point. We can take that on board and, and note that uh, because, yeah, look, I'm not sure whether all states require a driver license or not, but a number of states do. And those are the things that, that, that might be captured under the state-specific requirements. Very good. Thank you, Tuan. Um, and before we resume, maybe another uh, another question. Will the state authorities be the regulators of the training in slide 31? Yes, the participating agency or the state uh, authorities will play an important role in administering and rolling out and uh, 
managing this scheme together yep. with us. Was Rose playing a, yeah, a facilitation or coordination role between the two? But the decide the, the 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 powers, the controls are with the the participating agencies, whether state, territory, or local governments. By the way, depending. Very good. So I think we can resume the the presentation there. Uh, Tuan, I think you were slide thirty-two or so. Okay, that's good. Um, thanks for those questions. I hope that I have answered your questions. If not, feel free to to retype your questions or you can send us an email afterwards. Okay, let's keep going. Um, so, so I just talked about the changes relating to the individuals. So now I would talk about the changes relating to the RTL, which I assume that there, there might be some of you here in the audience today. Uh, so with the um, training uh, details, uh, Oslo and, and the jurisdiction will continue to adopt the uh, uh, vocational education and training uh, framework that's set out by the, the, the federal government. There will be a difference between the implementation of it um, compared to the existing. So at the moment, you can see there on the screen, uh, generally the existing framework, we have the unit of competency in place and they are well defined. It's been used for a number of years across different jurisdictions. Uh, but then when you get to the skill set, which is, I guess, the, the um, a group of the unit of competency that, that make up the skill that you require to work on the road, it can be inconsistent and it can be varied between state and state. So again, using Victoria, at the moment, the regulations only require the person to do one unit of competency to become um, a traffic controller, whereas another state, uh, Queensland or WA, uh, you need to do four or five unit of competency. So that's where the inconsistencies are. And then when they get to the training packages delivered by the RTO, um, at the moment, because the RTO needs to develop their own training resources, so they, they can be different uh, for obvious reasons. So that will create some inconsistencies out there. Uh, so it will vary between stage, between GRTO, within that stage as well. And because of those issues, I guess we won't have a harmonized practice. We, we, may, we will not have an inconsistency practices and a bit of an inefficiencies as well if we are moving between state and stage. Under the new training framework, what we are uh, working on is firstly we update the unit of competencies and we also added some new unit of competencies because we have new road categories. So we harmonize, we update, we add new unit of competencies. And then with the skill set, instead of letting each stage or jurisdiction having their own skill set, we also harmonize and develop a, a, a one set of skill sets for each qualification. Um, and to, 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 to go one step further, instead of uh, letting the RTL develop their own training materials, OSRA together with the jurisdiction, we also develop that ourselves. So OSRA will develop the training packages uh, for everyone to use. And I will uh, further explain on that in a, min in a minute. So, so with a harmonized and consistent unit of competency, skill set and training packages, we are hoping to achieve a harmonized practice, a consistent practice uh, across the whole Australia. 
So that's the difference between the existing and the new framework. Uh, so just, just very quickly repeating what I just said, at the moment, the RTL have to develop your own material, but under the new scheme, Oslo will be doing that so that it is consistent across the whole uh, country. So now I will uh, elaborate on each of those components of the training framework. Uh, so, so in terms of the unit of competencies and the skill sets, so I mentioned earlier because we have introduced new road categories, so we need to have new unit of competencies. And because we want to harmonize the training requirements, we need to have new skill sets. Uh, so OSROD has been uh, working, providing input um, into the new unit of competencies in the skill sets and the process of getting the new unit of competency and skill set uh, added to the uh, vocational education and training uh, framework is managed through the Australian Industry Skill Committee, AISC, and there are also industry reference committees sitting underneath um, that providing, I guess, approval and endorsement to this unit of competency and skill set. And the whole process is, in terms of the interface with the industry, is managed by PwC Skills for Australia. And then the training package in the outcome, which is the, the, the uh, second part of the whole framework, is managed by Osroge and the jurisdictions. So this is, I guess, why at the moment, I think I got it on this, this uh, I go there in a minute, uh, but this is where I guess at the moment there, there are, uh, well, the, the public validation period for the new unit of competency and the skill set have just been closed last week. I'm sorry, not last week, the week before. And you see that that process is managed by PwC Skill for Australia, not Osroge. So I mentioned earlier, because we have new road categories, we will require new unit of competencies as a foundation. So on the screen there, the last column are the new unit of competencies that uh, we propose and put in. Uh, for traffic controller, there will be unit competency covering category two roads. For traffic management implementers and designers, you have two unit of competencies each to cover category two and category three roads. In the uh, middle column, you see there they are the updated unit of competency of the existing one. So at the moment, the key unit of competency for traffic controller implementers and designers, they are 205, 302 and 503. So those have been updated and you can see the last letter of the uh, unit of competency uh, code was changed from D to E. So the next screen will show that um, the process of updating and adding the new unit of competency actually started back in 2018. There was um, a lot of industry consultations and discussions and the new unit competency was submitted to uh, the industry reference group in May, June last year. There was an industrial consultation carry out as well. And as a result, the updated unit of competency for the existing uh, qualification were updated from version D to version E, and it were published, I think, earlier this year. However, the five new unit of competencies 
needs a bit of work. And that's uh, what's shown in uh, this screen here. So uh, last year, the updated unit competency for controllers, implementers, and designer were approved, ticked off, published, that's all done. Uh, but the new five unit competency need a bit more work. And that's what we've been working on in the last six months. And PwC Skill for Australia have put them out for industry consultation back in May, June this year for four weeks, but I think it was extended to even five, six weeks. And then the next step of the process is to have a public validation, which is two weeks ago. And we are hoping to have the new unit competency ticked off and published later this year. So I have those, those slides on the screen, hoping that uh, as RTO, you kind of see the process for those who I guess haven't been aware of what's been happening um, because we've been receiving some questions and query about in the last few weeks about what's going on. And as you can see there, the process started a while back and, and, and most recently last year, as I mentioned, we already had one industry consultation and this year is a continuation of that process. Uh, and, and to even further making sure the industry understand what we are doing, why we are doing this sort of thing, we, we set up our own Osroad industry consultation, which is our session today and tomorrow to tell the industry that, look, this is how it fit into the whole scheme of things. Uh, and just want to remind everyone that our industry consultation, uh, you have up to the end of this month to provide comments and feedback. So feel free to provide those input. So apart from this unit of competency, I mentioned earlier that we also want to harmonize the skill set requirements for, uh, for the training. And on the screen there, we have eight training courses for the eight qualifications that now we are proposing. So two for traffic controllers, three for traffic management implementers, and three for traffic management designers. So you can see there the code on the screen and the skills that have also been published for industry uh, consultations and feedback um, in the last few weeks and months. So the next few slides just uh, display, I guess, the details of uh, each skill set. So the skill set is a group of unit competencies that you need to be qualified. So you can see that on the screen for TC1, uh, in Victoria, I keep on using Victoria because I know, I guess, the, um, the, the, the requirements down here. At the moment in Victoria for traffic controller, you only need to do one unit competency, which is a 205. Uh, under the new framework, you need to do another three unit of competencies. So that's a bit of a change, uh, but it will be harmonized because all the skills that you see in the screen will be the same across the whole country. Uh, with TMI1, um, again, there will be a number of unit of competencies that will make up the, the uh, training course for each group. And similarly, for traffic management designers, we also harmonize and specify what unit of competencies you need uh, for each training course. So in terms of the progress, uh, because the unit of competency and skill set are managed by um, a different group, 
so so we are hoping by PwC skill for Australia. So in terms of the time frame, we finished the industry consultation for the unit competency and skill set back in June. We just finished the public validation period. Um, the next step is the unit competencies and skill set will be presented to the industry reference uh, committee for endorsement, uh, hopefully in September, October, and approved and published later in the year. Once the unit of competencies are ticked off, they will be published on the www.training website. Uh, on the screen there, it's just an example. You see the unit 205 for traffic controller, which is the existing unit, and we updated it. Uh, was tipped off and approved, so it is on the website at the moment if you go and search for it. Uh, so that's the details relating to the unit competencies and skill sets. Uh, with the training packages, so I mentioned earlier that at the moment as an RTO, you need to develop your own training resources under the, the new framework. We want a harmonized, consistent way of training individuals so OSRO, together with the jurisdiction, will uh, take over the responsibility and develop the training resources for the RTO. Um, so from the OSRO side, um, the, the training resources or material will be developed from the OSRO Guide to Temporary Traffic, Man Traffic Management, which was published last year, so that it is consistent across, in, across the whole country. Uh, we, we will be having the new unit of com competency and skill set which I just went through, so that we uh, set the requirements for the training resources. Uh, we are also looking at uh, working with a number of RTO across the whole country. Uh, we are looking at setting up a working group uh, in, in involving a number of RTO to, uh, to assist and I guess to review the training materials that we are developing. And, and together with some state-specific requirements because um, we recognize that some state may have um, a specific requirement relating to traffic management. Uh, so we need to take those into account and then we combine the two and we will be providing a complete full training package for RTO. And this training package will have everything that you need if you are an RTO. So you will be providing with a PowerPoint uh, itself, the mapping document, assessment plan, the workbook, um, the evidence tool, everything. So, so Osroad and jurisdiction will develop all these materials so that there is a consistent uh, and harmonized approach in training individuals working in the temporary traffic management space. Um, the state specific is, is something that um, earlier I mentioned about mutual recognitions and when you move to a state, you don't have to re do the full training, uh, but some state you might need to do uh, some specific uh, requirements relating to that state. As I said, it's a poor example, but you know, one state may require you to wear a red vest instead of an orange vest, that kind of thing. You need to be aware of those uh, state-specific requirements. But in terms of the, uh, the, the practice itself, the way you work on the road, you, the way you lay out your work size, the spacing of the bullet, those sort of things, they will be consistent in the same across the stage uh, because all those technical information, we will be using the OSROAD guide to temporary traffic measurement. We set up a consistent way to do things. 
Um, so once we've got uh, the training with pet teachers uh, resources set up, the process as an RTO uh, is quite straightforward. However, there is a bit of a change, which uh, you can see there on the screen. So to be able to, uh, to train individual working in the traffic management space, you first need to be an RTO, and then, and then you will have to apply for uh, an, through an accreditation process, we call it, with one of the participating agency. And then you become what we call ATP, which is Approved Training Provider. So once you become an ATP, you will be given or you can obtain the full training packages, which I described earlier. And then you put that on your scope of registration with either ASQA or VRQA or TAC in Victoria and WA. And then you can start to deliver that, uh, that training course. So, so there is an extra step there for, for most states. I mean, Queensland already has this approach in place for a number of years. And we more or less uh, follow that approach, uh, which is you have to be an RTO, uh, then you have to be accredited, become an ATP and then you take that training packages, put it on your scope of registration and then you deliver. Uh, one, uh, one change under this new framework is when you obtain that training packages and when you get accredited, uh, accredited under the new framework, there will be a license uh, arrangement put in place and it is I guess to cover and making sure that as an RTO you get the right training material, you deliver it in the way that, that we would like you to deliver the training course. And there will be also a fees involved um, in, in uh, obtaining that right uh, of training uh, and provide that services to the industry. Anything else on the screen? I think I covered all that. So, um, in terms of a transition process, similar to the individuals, we will be having a transition process in place for the RTO. At this stage, we are looking at um, uh, open the system to the RTO to get accredited and become approved training providers from early next year. Um, and then uh, in, in between now and then, we will be working on the training packages so that they are ready and the RTO or ATP can start rolling out the training from the middle of next year. Similar to the individual, the RTO can also apply for mutual recognitions between state. So if a RTO has become an ATP here in Victoria, for example, and you want to do training in South Australia, the process of uh, getting that approved is a lot simpler and quicker because all you have to do is ask for that mutual recognitions and because the accreditation process, the training materials or the details are more or less similar, we will be able to, to provide that training in another state a lot quicker and more efficient. Uh, a couple of notes. Uh, so I mentioned earlier in the uh, framework, we are requiring the RTO to become approved training providers with the participating agency, which is the state. The assessment criteria on how to become an ATP are being finalized at this stage. We are looking at a harmonized assessment criteria that capturing all the jurisdiction requirements. 
the licensing fee uh, also are being determined. We are still working on it um, at the excuse me at the technical reference group. Um, but it is worth mentioning that the the licensing fee that we are proposing will be based on a cost recovery model. Um, the whole scheme is run by by uh, state jurisdiction. So 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 obviously we're not going to to have uh, or have a scheme that make profit or that kind of thing. That is not the role of um, of state governments, I guess, to an extent. So it will be based on the cost recovery model, and it will be the then the licensing fee will cover things like. Uh, the effort to produce the training packages, uh, the auditing process, um, and, and you know, funding to maintain the system. Um, the training packages licensing fee will be renewed annually. This is the plan that we are proposing. Uh, there will be an ongoing auditing uh, regime put in place as well. And similar to individuals, all the audits, the non-conformances, the information relating to the RTO will be shared across all jurisdictions. So again, from a transparent and performance management point of view, I, I think it's a lot more uh, better than what it is now. So that was the end of the changes relating to the RTO. If you do have any questions, feel free to post them and we will go through them in a minute. Uh, but moving on to the last um, component of the change is we are also looking at developing a registration platform. That, that's one of the modules uh, of the project. And this is essentially a centralized online database. And, and this system will have a, a three individual databases. Uh, one to capture all the approved training providers so that as an individual, you can quickly find out which one is nearest to you so that you can ring them up, register, and get training. Uh, the database will also have a list of individuals who uh, completed the training. Um, and we are proposing to have the individual name as the minimum so that, uh, again, it, it's transparent um, and it helps with the auditing process as well. So let's say um, other regulators like WorkSafe, SafeWork, when they do the audit at the work site, they can quickly get onto the database and check to see whether the individuals have got all the required, all the required training qualifications uh, to work on the road. And then the third list will be the pre-qualified traffic management companies, which we will be talking about tomorrow. So I encourage those who haven't registered for their sessions, um, do that uh, tomorrow, there's still time. Uh, because they all go hand in hand, the whole system works together um, as one system. So for each databases on the screen, there are some of the key uh, interactions. So with the approved training providers, and this is probably a, a bit of another change to, uh, to the existing arrangement. So we are looking at having the RTO or the ATP um, to manage some of the tasks. So for example, the screen there, you can see that as a ATP, uh, the approved training providers, you, you can deliver the full or refresher training courses based on the material that you get from the, the jurisdiction. And then we are looking at getting you to have access to this database system so that you can add and update individual qualifications. So after the individual has completed the face-to-face -face training, um, the, the 
RTL ATP can lock onto the system and they add that individual on, onto the system straight away. Uh, in terms of the prerequisites and the industry-based learning, we are also looking at uh, having the RTL ATP assisting with that task. Um, and then the RTL ATP also can deliver and check for any mutual recognition training if required. So there's a bit of, I guess, extra work for, for RTL ATP to, to be part of the new framework. As an individual, you can easily look, look at the system and see whether your name is on there after you completed the training, so that when you're looking for a job, you can easily show it to your uh, potential employer that, look, I have completed the training, here is my evidence, everything is on the website. And uh, the system will also uh, send you alerts uh, before the three years period, so that you can organize your refresher course in place, uh, those sort of things. And uh, anything else after this? No, that's that's kind of the end of it. So I guess I just went through some key changes to the industry relating to the training framework. Um, and, and a lot of the principle, as I said, already been documented and discussed in the part. It, it, it is uh, captured in the part eight of the guide to temporary traffic management. So feel free to, to download and read that document. If you are new, you're not aware of this sort of thing, that document has uh, a lot of um, uh, principle and explanation in place of why we are doing this sort of thing. In interest now, I guess I went through the, the next stage, which is the implementation of what we set out to do uh, with a goal of improved safety at road work sites. So that is the end of it. Um, so I pass it back to Richard, I think, and then you can talk about what's next. And we've got a Q&A session coming up. Thank you, Tuan. Um, hopefully you can see my screen, just to confirm with you, Tuan. Uh, yes, I can see your yeah. screen. Yep. Okay, so thank you for, for the details. We'll we go through some questions in a minute. Uh, but before that, just wanted to uh, recap what's next uh, on, on the project from a nose roads point of view. Uh, as obviously you know, we are undertaking this industry consultation and welcoming any feedback by the end of this month, 28th of August, uh, as per the details included there. Uh, and men as mentioned before, all comments will be uh, responded to and will be published on the OZO's website as well. Um, beyond that, we are currently working on refining the national training framework based on this uh, industry feedback. Uh, we will be working, we, we will be refining the, the framework based on the industry feedback and any inputs you may provide uh, with further industry consultation if required down the track, uh, as we appreciate a number of um, um, dimensions or aspects of the, the framework are still being discussed and designed with the uh, transport agencies we are uh, working with. The units of competencies and skill sets are expected to be approved and published in late 2020 as per the, uh, the ASQUA process and uh, coordinated by the PwC consultant, as you would have heard before. Uh, so we are very much, uh, uh, from a nose roads point of view, working with PwC and ASQUA to align all of these efforts together. Um, following all of this, we will seek approval of the national training framework uh, 
from our board, from the Oswald's board in late 2020 or early 2021, depending on how things go in finalizing this framework and addressing the, the comments and feedback from industry, obviously. We are continuing uh, the development of the national training packages that, that uh, Tuan mentioned before, uh, where we hope to uh, progressively release this material uh, starting from category one roads material uh, and then um, uh, subsequent road categories. In the development of the national training packages, we will be uh, liaising with selected RTOs as well to, to try and get some uh, input and feedback as well, acknowledging that RTOs have been developing their own uh, training packages to date, and therefore you have a lot of uh, capability and experience to, to share with us. And beyond that, we are aiming to um, procure and develop the central system or online database that we mentioned uh, with a tender uh, to come in, in the next couple of months, September or October, um, hopefully. Um, so just moving on to some questions. We've had quite, quite a lot of questions, Tuan. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying and group some of them. Uh, first of all, uh, on slide 47, um, there were a few questions um, maybe that were answered after in your presentation, Tuan, uh, but there were a few questions with regards to how the national training package will work and how uh, in comparison to the state-specific requirements, um, how, how the two will come together. I don't know if you co can comment on this. Sure, I can see your screen. Um, so look, the, the intention is the OSPRO national training materials do cover uh, all the technical requirements. So, so for example, how do you manage a mobile work site, how you manage a long-term work site, those sort of things. Because all those practices, we want to be harmonized and consistent across all, juris all jurisdictions. If you work on a road and as the customers, if you drive through a work site, we want the customer to experience the same layout, the same requirements. Um, so, so that will be the bulk of the training materials. Now, the state specific, as I mentioned, it is really to recognize that there may be some very specific state requirement. That, um, and we, we haven't got the details, but for example, Melbourne, we have a vast tram network. And whenever you do work on the a road that has a tram, there might be additional requirements of informing Yarra trams, the tram operators, uh, six months in advance, those sort of things. So if you are coming from Queensland to, to Melbourne and work, you need to know those sort of additional information. So that will be the state specific, and, and those uh, state specific will be added onto the national training package, uh, training material, and you have a complete training package. Very good. Thank you, Tuan. Uh, in, in addition to this, do the RTOs uh, provide the mutual recognition training or is that done by the participating agencies? Look, it is something that we are still uh, working on because it depends on what the specific requirements are. So if it is something uh, simple and straightforward, well, one option is we may uh, create an online training modules, maybe an hour or so. And then the, the, the individuals can then go through and do that and then get recognized. Mm -hmm. Or if one site may have something a bit more complex, 
then a face-to-face -face training may be required. So we are still working on that, but those are, I guess, the two main options. Very good, thank you, Tuan. Uh, slightly on the same topic, there was a question here. Um, will there be a commitment to have uh, approved training providers, ATPs, ready at the start of the transition period for all jurisdictions? Probably slide 27. So I'm just going back to this, if I may. And I guess that that is the intention, Richard. And whoever asked the question, the intention is we will uh, we will make sure the industry is ready. Uh, so when the time comes, you can start uh, providing the training. I mean, I, I acknowledge that as I guess um, you and others know there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, but we, we want to uh, have this session with the industry because we want to uh, tell you where we are up to and where we are heading. We don't want to develop everything and then roll it out. So I guess that that's why we are here today as well. So there are still a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, the training resources material, we started on it. Uh, and mm -hmm. we will continue to work on it in the next six months. Thank you, Tuan. Uh, slightly different topic. Uh, will TMI3 and TND3 competencies allow you to work on TMI2 slash TMI, TMD2? So is that, if you have the category three training, can you work on category two roads? No, the answer is no. So one, two, three, um, even though it is, lightly put in a way that one is the lower risk uh, but for the two and three it, it's recognizing the different working uh, road environment so so once you've got uh, qualification in in level three tmi3 or tmd3 and if you want to work on category two road you need to do the category two uh, requirements i mean for, for as an example category three you are dealing with freeways and motorways Whereas category two, you may need to be uh, working on a, a uh, near a very, very busy shopping precinct. So you can see that in terms of managing the, the work site, it's completely different. You know, on freeway, you don't have any pedestrians, cyclists, for example, whereas on the category two, two road, you, know, you might have to deal with a lot of pedestrian and cyclists. So the skill set and the knowledge and the experience is different. Thank you very much, Tuan. I'm just trying to get to the next question. Uh, I hope that's on the right slide. Question was, if a person completes uh, 539, do they also need to complete 538 in terms of units? So the 539 is for TMD3 and the 538 uh, is for TMD2. So it depends on what, what you want to do. I mean, if if you are working <clears throat> excuse me if you are working for uh, a consulting company that provide traffic management uh, plan traffic guidance scheme for all type of roads then i guess you you should do all the three training courses uh, but but there may be um, company who specialize in preparing plans for freeways only I and mean, I, I dealt with some of them in the past and and they, they are specific in uh, preparing plan to close lane on freeway, um, to, 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 to close a road on a freeway, then, then they only need to do the qualification 
in level three. You don't have to do TMD2. Perfect. Thank you very much, Tuan. Uh, I'm just going to be moving back to slide 25 or so. I hope I'm pretty right. Uh, we'll see. We can move the slides if need be. We, we've had quite a lot of questions, Tuan, on with regards to industry experience. Uh, questions like who organizes uh, the, the, the supervision required to, to confirm the industry experience, who supervises, who pays for the supervision and what is the cost and how, how that, that all works? Yeah, look, it, it, it's a very good question and to be honest, I feel that this is an area where the industry can give us some feedback. We are working on the details. Uh, at the moment, from what we are hearing, then it is possible uh, for the individual to go, go out there and obtain this industry-based uh, uh, experience. Uh, but do let us know, I mean, in your experience, is it feasible? Is it possible? Um, as I mentioned, this scheme is more or less being uh, uh, applied in Queensland, and I talked to the people up there, and they told me that, look, it is working. You know, there are opportunities for people to get the experience in, in the industry. Uh, one thing that probably worth mentioning is, is this new training framework, as I guess a lot of us know that at the moment in the industry, it is a very high turnover um, uh, group uh, or industry where you might have a lot of backpacker coming into the industry, work for a few weeks and move on. Um, Australia and jurisdiction actually don't want that to continue. We felt that, that that arrangement of high number of casual individuals contributed to, I guess, uh, in some instances, a low quality of work because those people, they are just there for a short period of time. So we, we actually deliberately want to change that and probably make it a bit harder for those backpackers to come in and do some short-term work, don't have the skills necessarily required for the job. We want to make it a, a long-term career for people to progress and stay in. And, and that's why I guess the industry experience requirement is also something that we put it in so that we want the people who committed to work in the, in the industry long-term to go into this area. Thank you, Tuan. Um, another question related to industry experience and site supervision. How would we be able to identify people who are on probation compared to the others who have the, the experience? Um, so I think that relates to whether there will be a, a card uh, involved to help with on-site recognition. Um, so this is something that, that, again, we are still working on the details, but what we are envisaging is, is uh, the RTO or the ATP, the approved training providers, will continue to be able to issue a cash if they want to. Um, in some states, so uh, for example, in Queensland, you have to go to the uh, to the Department of Transport and Main Road TMR to get the actual license. Um, so there, there, there will be, I guess, a little bit of um, differences from state to state. Uh, but the good thing is we will be having that centralized online database, which is, I guess I call it a source of truth. People can go there and check and it will be the most current. Because with a card, to me, sometimes it can still be out of date. It can still, be, I, I've got a white card myself and it doesn't have an expiry date on it, for example. So, mm -hmm. so uh, whereas with the online database, it will be a lot more robust. And then as an RTO, you can still issue an additional card if you want to. 
Thank you, Tuan. Um, on the same topic, uh, do we see any requirement for um, uh, training for those people who will be uh, supervising or um, of, yeah, assisting on site? Yeah, look, I think that a similar sort of question was uh, touched on earlier, isn't it? I mean, at the moment, the training framework, you can see there, we have eight different training uh, courses, uh, two for TC, three for TMI, and three for TMD. Um, and and that, that's what we are having at the moment. In terms of supervision, I guess it, it go with experience. It, it's like um, any other career. I, I am an engineer myself. After I graduated, I, I am a, an engineer, a junior engineer. Uh, but then after a number of years working in the, in the industry, I become a senior engineer and then you know, a manager. So I guess a similar career pathway can be applied here. You go through this training framework you get a qualification, you become a fully qualified practitioner. But as you work longer and longer in the, in the industry, depending on who you work for, you get into that seniority level and you become a supervisor, you become a manager. Uh, those sort of things, uh, to me, uh, it doesn't necessarily need to cover in the training. I mean, how do you train someone to become a manager, for example? Um, we might consider doing something like that in the future, I'm not sure. But at the moment, uh, the eight training courses are the foundation that we are providing. Perfect, thank you, Tuan. Um, probably still on that slide, um, you have mentioned that industry experience can be gained for category one using category two roads. Can industry experience be gained for category two on category three roads? Uh, so I just want to make sure I understand the question right. So can the industry use the experience on category three in category two, is that right? Can industry experience be gained for category, uh, yeah, for, for if, yeah, I guess I guess it must be written the other way around. Uh, can industry experience be gained for category two on category three roads? I think it's about how people who are uh, trained for a specific category of roads can can gain experience on the next level up right look i mean the, the intention of the industry-based experience is to go out there you apply your learning in class into real life situations so in an ideal world i guess what we are looking for is if you started off with training in category one we would like you to apply those skills on category one road but recognizing that there may be situation for whatever reason getting the experience in category one road might not be uh, feasible i guess what we are looking at what we are considering is if if that person can't get category one experience but that person got exposure and work on category two i guess we will be able to accept those sort of exceptions i guess um, with two and three, to me, I feel that they are two completely different road environments. So at this point in time, I'm thinking that if you study and learn category two, but then you you have experience in category three, it doesn't seem to make sense because if you, you, you see that you will have an opportunity to work on a freeway, then shouldn't you go and do the training in category three instead of two, if you know what I mean? So. I, I don't know where why the person asked the questions, but, but we'll we, 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 we review yeah. that. 
maybe yeah. along the same lines, maybe a bit specific, not sure if we have an answer for that one, but if staff are allowed to be on category two, getting experience under supervision before they are accredited for category two, is there a ratio of how many staff can be under supervision at one time? It's quite specific. <laughs> Look, I don't think we go into that level of details and perhaps perhaps the um, the supervisions in the practitioners ratio or number will be covered more in the pre qualifications uh, scheme because at the moment we're purely talking about the training regime. How do you get trained to become qualified and competent to work on the road network? Now, when you talk about supervision, the number of people should have skills, that kind of thing. To me, it's relating to a company itself, um, which we will talk about tomorrow, because when we look at the company, we will be interested in knowing how many supervisors do you have, how many on-site staff do you have, what equipment you have, those sort of things. Thank you, Tuan. Um, what will be the likely duration of the TMD2 and TMD3 training courses? Or do we have a, an idea of the, the duration of the different training courses on the national framework? Uh, look, at this stage, uh, very broadly, and this is yet to be confirmed, but we, we more or less try to, uh, to match with the existing training requirements that we are having. So for traffic controller, we are still looking at having uh, the course run and completed within a day. Uh, with uh, traffic management designer, we are looking at two, three days. Personally, I feel that two is probably right, uh, but we are working on the details of the training packages. Uh, it might need to go to three, I'm not sure, but two, three days. Uh, implementation, one to two days, that, that kind of time frame, or maybe one and a half. Very I mean, good. It, it depends because some states, um, I, 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 uh, I mentioned earlier, like WA in Queensland, I think, the skill set already cover a number of unit competencies, so that won't change much. But in Victoria, I, I suspect that there will be a bit of a big change because at the moment you only need to do one unit of competencies, now you need to do four or five, so the duration mm. of training might be a bit longer for Victoria. Very good. Thank you, Tuan. I think we've got some questions also with regards to the transition, how people transition from whatever accreditation they have to the new training model. I'm not sure what slide it relates to, maybe 39. Let me try and get there. Uh, 39 and 40. Now, before that, Richard, before the RTO, so I'll go back. Yep, somewhere there. One more back, I think. Yep, that's it. That, that one here? So yeah, so let me grab that question. Sorry, give me a sec. Uh, I think the question is really to try and clarify. And sorry if you 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 have to repeat yourself a bit. One is how do uh, professionals, traffic controllers, for example, transition uh, to the new framework? Uh, do they have to sit all training courses to work on all roads, or just attend a refresher? How does that work? That transition. Yep. No, it's a very good question because there are a lot of existing. Um, individual work out there working in, in the industry. Uh, at the moment, the, the proposal is everyone will need to go through a refresher course. Um, we are working on the details, but at this stage, it's probably a half day training. Um, mm. there, there might be an option for online training as well, because from what we hear, people who work in regional area, we, we can't forget about them, uh, might have difficulty accessing 
um, an RTL to do a face-to-face -face training, for example. So we may be even making the refresher course online. Uh, but, but the intention is all the existing individual will do a refresher course, whether online or face-to-face, -face, and then they will all become category one qualified. And then if you need to work on category two or category three words, you need to do the full course because they are new courses that haven't been available at this point in time and you need to do those extra learnings. Thank you, Tuan, for the clarification. We, I just want to acknowledge we have a couple of questions uh, with regards to um, what we've covered just before. If you're category three, if you're trained on category three, are you allowed to uh, do some work on category two? We have. I, I want to acknowledge a few comments there, uh, highlighting that it wouldn't be practical if uh, um, acknowledging that people working on category three roads often have to, uh, as part of the same project, work on category two roads. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in, uh, in our written responses, I believe. Um, sorry, Tuan, just moving on to another quick question. Um, yes, with regards to New South Wales, obviously we've covered that before. Um, in New South Wales, Safe Work has recently assumed jurisdiction, um, um, taken authority or control over traffic courses. Um, will the system change again in New South Wales? Um, Don't if you want to comment on that, I think I've touched on that before, but I'll let you have a go as well, uh, Tuan. Yeah, look, um, another very good question. So in New South Wales, it, it's um, a bit of a unique situation because for those who, who are coming from New South Wales, you know that uh, there's been a change in terms of responsibility uh, of the management of traffic, uh, temporary traffic management. It was from transport, the, the responsibility was transferred from transport for New South Wales to um, safe work New South Wales. So that, that has recently completed and started uh, from July this year, which is a few weeks ago. So because of that, I guess um, we are having a lot of direct discussions with uh, both Transport for New South Wales and Safe Work uh, Safe Work New South Wales. So because of that big transition, so this new training framework, as Richard mentioned earlier, uh, at this point in time, in the short term, it won't be applied to New South Wales. Uh, but the, the medium or longer term is we would like New South Wales to be on board and be part of this scheme as well. Uh, and I'm not sure whether, I mean, we invited some, some people from Safe Work and Transport for New South Wales to attend this forum and they are probably listening at the moment uh, but yeah that certainly is our intention to have New South Wales on board as well. Thank you Tuan, I know we're running a bit out of time and uh, um, we've got still a lot of questions so I'm just gonna um, just conscious of time I'm gonna uh, be closing very soon but I just want to reassure all of you that we will be uh, looking at all of the questions all the questions that I've missed and I apologize for that uh, hopefully you will have found uh, this presentation and the answers provided by Tuan especially uh, useful. Um, we will respond in writing to all of your questions very soon and, and make them publicly available as well uh, for all transparency of the work that we are doing. Uh, but I just wanted maybe to close um, uh, Tuan with one question we had is, will the uh, national training framework be uh, mandated? Will, will that be uh, something uh, mandated by, by jurisdictions? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> uh, look, the intention is if you are doing work uh, for the jurisdictions, you will need to follow this training framework. Uh, I, I said no because uh, 
legally and technically if if there is a, a council uh, who feel that this training framework is not suitable for them, they do have the choice of opt out. So at this point in time, this is a training framework that being published, it will be run by the jurisdiction, which is the state authorities. And, and in most of the stage, council will generally will follow this training uh, requirements. Uh, but as I said, if if there is, for whatever reason, there is a jurisdiction who feel that they don't want to follow this framework, technically, legally, they're allowed to opt out of the training framework. So, so in some ways, it is, it, it will, the national training framework will be mandated in those jurisdictions that have taken it on board. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Very good. Thank you very much, Tuan. Uh, that will complete our um, Q&A and our presentation on the draft national training framework. I wanted to thank you, Tuan, for uh, your work to date and uh, your, your participation in this webinar. Taking also this opportunity to thank uh, all our members on the temporary traffic management technical reference groups from all of the jurisdictions, even from New South Wales, of course, who are uh, even all involved in, uh, in our discussions even if not necessarily yet um, uh, taking the national training framework uh, in, in New South Wales. So, um, thanking all of uh, those people who have participated in building this, this material. Again, I invite all our audience uh, to um, review the documents that we've shared on the Oswald's website a couple of weeks ago, and which you can find on this, uh, the handout section of this webinar. Uh, we look forward to receiving your formal feedback uh, using the, the, the comments review form provided on our website uh, and we'll endeavor to answer all of your questions and take on board all the positive um, and, and valuable input that you will be providing. Uh, on this, uh, we thank you all and we hope to see some of you, if not all of you, tomorrow for our next discussion on the national pre-qualification scheme. Again, that goes hand in hand with today's discussion on training. On this, thank you again, Tuan and uh, see must see you uh, all uh, hopefully tomorrow thank you richard thank you all thank you